sure as God made green apples, someday the Chicago Cubs are going to be in the World Series. And maybe sooner than we think. Here's the old line. This is going to be a tough play. What's going on, Cubs fans? I'm Sean Sears, and welcome to another episode of Locked On Cubs, part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to get your first order $10 off, courtesy of Locked On. That's just using the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Save yourself $10 on your first order at BuiltBar.com. And of course, today's episode is also brought to you in partnership with CubsInsider.com. Head to Cubs Insider to read all about how the Cubs acquired Jose Martinez from the Tampa Bay Rays, as well as signing uh, kind of middle reliever, former closer for the Marlins, A.J. Ramos on a minor league deal. Read about that more at CubsInsider.com, official partner of Locked On Cubs. The Cubs split their four-game set with the Bereds, uh, which include two really disappointing losses on Friday and Saturday and two somewhat encouraging losses on Saturday and Sunday. So we'll recap the four-game set here in the first segment as well as the historic Sunday game from the outfield in the first segment. And then in the second segment, we'll talk about the trade deadline. So the Cubs have acquired Jose Martinez as well as signed reliever A.J. Ramos to a minor league deal. But with the Tyler Chatwood injury, sounding like he left Thursday's game, excuse me, Sunday's game with an apparent elbow injury, could add some pressure on the Cubs front office to add another arm to this rotation. You can get Locked On Cubs in whatever podcast app you use, whether that's Google, Apple, Spotify, TuneIn App, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to your podcast, make sure you subscribe, leave a five-star review. And when you get into your car, tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On Cubs. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at Locked On Cubs. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean R. Sears. So here in this first segment, as we were talking about the Cubs split this series of the Reds two to two, of course, a doubleheader on Saturday. Um, yeah, this was a tough series. This was pretty hard to watch, especially because the Cubs had a chance to win each one of these games. And obviously they came away with two wins Saturday's second doubleheader. Um, that was rough. <laughs> that was a rough way to lose a game for those that did not watch. It was Tyler, or not Tyler Chatwood, geez, uh, Kirk Kimbrell. Came in with a lead in the bottom of the seventh, because, of course, doubleheaders only go to the seventh, uh, with a chance to lock this game down and really solidify himself maybe back in this closer role. And things just kind of fell apart. Wasn't necessarily a great start. He had three wild pitches, allowed the single to tie the game up with the runners on second and third, um, and then eventually ended up losing this game for the Cubs. So uh, we'll dive into this here quickly. So Friday's game, losing to the Reds 6-5. to five. It was 
I believe Kyle Hendricks on the mound for the Cubs, and he just didn't look great again. Six innings of work, 10 hits against the Reds, allowing five earned runs, six strikeouts, two home runs. His ERA ballooned to 409. It was at 355 before this start. Tyler Maley, on the other hand, six innings, two hits, two earned runs, two walks, 11 strikeouts. Just mowed the Cubs down as they did not show a ton of patience in here, despite getting him up to 106 pitches. He was at 91, I think, in the fourth inning, and he only managed to get to 106 after three, two and two thirds of work coming in after that. So that was just disappointing to see Amir Garrett, Robert Stevenson and Rizal Iglesias kind of shut the door a little bit. Robert Stevenson did give up, give up a few runs for uh, the Cubs, but obviously Rizal Iglesias came in, saved this game, closed the door. They lose six to five. So going through the scoring quickly started early on when Anthony Rizzo and Kyle Schwarber both hit solo shots in the first inning off of Tyler Malley. So the Cubs were up two nothing early. Eugenio Suarez got one back in the bottom of the second though on an 0-1 pitch, clobbered it to left center field, no doubter, gone. Uh, Cubs still up 2-1. Stays that way to the bottom of the fourth. When Jesse Winkler hit a home run into right field, pretty much a no doubter and an 0-1 pitch as well. Uh, after Eugenio Suarez doubled, Dave, Matt Davidson hit a single into right field. Suarez scored on the play. The Reds now were up 3-2. Eugenio Suarez in the bottom of the fifth hit a single into right field, scoring Nick Castellanos and Jesse Winkler. The ball bounced up on Hap, actually, in right field, who was playing in this game. and Just a tough play, rolls away. Cubs now down 5-2. to two. And then the bottom of the seventh, Freddie Galvis smashes a no-doubt home run on an 0-0 count. First pitch he sees, gone into right field, pulls it into what looked like the bullpen section out there off of Kyle Ryan, Reds now up 6-2 against the Cubs. So bottom of, or excuse me, top of the ninth. It starts with Javier Baez striking out, but we'll, uh, geez, if I could talk. Kyle Schwarber singles through the shift by shortstop. He's on, and then Wilson Contreras hits a home run into left center field Schwarber scoring on the play. Then Jason Hayward hits a home run. The Cubs now down just 6-5 to five with just only one out. So Rysel Iglesias comes in to replace Robert Stevenson, and Iglesias is able to get David Bodie to fly out and Victor Carantini to ground out. They collectively saw four pitches. Four pitches. David Bodie, actually, technically, he saw two pitches. They saw six pitches. So Bodie on a 1-0 count hit a fly ball into left field, which was just disappointing. And then Carantini rolled over on a, a 2-1 count. I just count leverage. Take advantage of it. You know teams aren't giving you those pitches. Don't swing at crap. Even if it gets to a full count, you were the last out. Work that at bat. Either way, the Cubs lose 6-5 to five in a very frustrating manner. Then, doubleheader Saturday. First game is Yu Darvish versus Trevor Bauer. Impressive match between the two. Darvish on the day. He picks up his sixth one of the years. The Cubs win 3-0. But six innings, seven hits, two walks, eight strikeouts, load his ERA to 1.47 on the year. Jeremy Jeffers picks up the save in just one inning of work because it was only seven innings. Trevor Bauer, on the other hand, five innings, five and a third innings of work, four hits, three earned runs, two walks, five strikeouts, two home runs he allowed. His ERA jumps up to 2.13. Darn, that's tough. Jose DeLeon is the other pitcher. He comes in for an inning and two-third. He gets teed up later on in this series, but doesn't give up any runs here. Cubs do win 3 nothing. Scoring started early. Jason Hayward on a ground out to in between second and short. He's able to get Kyle Schwarber to score on the play so 
Cubs take a one nothing lead in the top of the second. Anthony Rizzo then hits a home run into deep right field, pulls it off of Trevor Bauer. And then again, in the top of the six, it's Anthony Rizzo once again off of Trevor Bauer. He pulls another ball into right field. A double home run day for Rizzo. Nice to see. Uh, that's all the scoring. The Cubs win this one pretty easily, 3 nothing. Uh, Darvish wasn't necessarily super dominant. Didn't look like he had his best stuff. The Reds threatened a little bit in the bottom of the second. They got runners on in the bottom of the third and the fourth, but Darvish just kind of navigated his way out of it. A little bit of trouble here and there, some walks, a few singles, and didn't seem to be an issue for him throughout this game. So nice to see Darvish, even without his best stuff, still looking like an ace of this staff. So the Cubs win that first half of the second or the doubleheader on Saturday. Then the second portion of the doubleheader, not as lucky. The Cubs lose this one, strangely, also 6-5. to five. Alec Mills starts this game, and he hasn't had necessarily the greatest showing. In three innings of work, he lost four hits, four earned runs, one walk, two strikeouts, and three home runs. Zero jumped up to 5.23. Edward Elsley came in for just one inning of relief, even though he probably should have been the guy that started this game. Still don't understand that he allows one hit, one walk, two strikeouts, and just that inning of work. Still is yet to allow a run. Um, so that was frustrating. Robert or Ryan Tapira bounced back nicely after a rough outing. Got two strikeouts despite allowing a walk. Rowan Wick picked up the hold here, but then Craig Kimbrell blew this game. Uh, it was Tajay Antone for the or for the Reds on the mound. He went four innings, three hits, three earned runs, a walk, five strikeouts. He allowed two home runs as well. Uh, Michael Lorenzen technically got the blown save. And the Cubs were able to kind of storm back here towards the end of this game and still lose 6-5. to five. So the scoring started early on when Ian Happ in a full count hit a home run into right field. Cubs up one nothing, but Joey Votto ties it up immediately, hits a solo shot into right field as well off of Alec Mills in the bottom of the first, so tied 1-1. It stays that way until the bottom of the third when Kirk Caselli hits a home run off of Alec Mills in a 3-1 count. Struggling to throw strikes in that count, you could feel it here. Uh, Jesse Winkler... He hits a home run with Nick Castellanos on base. He singled right before him. Reds now up 4-1. David Bodie gets a, run, a couple of runs back, though, on a home run into left center field. Wilson Contreras on base. He got on from a, I believe it was a ground out. They were able to get Rizzo, who walked prior to him, but Contreras beat out the throw at first. He then moved up to second on a ground out from Hayward. Bodie hits that home run. Cubs down just one run. It's 4-3. Ian Happ ties it up in the top of the fifth, though. He hits a double in the left field. Horner scores after he got on base reaching on an air fly ball into right field. Uh, that was dropped. So Horner moved up to second, and he scores on the double from Ian Happ. So the Cubs tied 4-4. Then top of the sixth, Nico Horner. After Jason Hayward got on, got on base with a single, a walk to David Bodie, and then a wild pitch to Jason Kipnis allowed Bodie and Hayward to move. They walked Kipnis then and replace Tyler Thornburg with Nate Jones. Jones comes in and allows Nico to hit a sacrifice fly. Scores in Jason Hayward. The Cubs now up 5-4, heading into the bottom of the six. Rowan Wick, after allowing a single to Mike Moustakis, strikes out Jose Garcia and Kyle Farmer while getting a ground out to show from uh, get Shogo Akiyama to ground out. He's able to get Mike Moustakis out at second, but Akiyama beat up the throw the first. So he strikes out Kyle Farmer, ends that game, or in that inning, Cubs still up 5-4. The Cubs threatened a little bit in the top of the seventh. Anthony Rizzo and Wilson Contreras start the inning out with the fly out and a ground up. But Jason Hayward singled, David Bodie singled, and then Jason Kipnis on a 
pretty great ball. First pitch he saw, he went the other way on a two-seamer and hit it far into left field, but it was tracked down and recovered by Cassianos. That was coming closer and closer to the line. Great play. Good swing from Kipnis. He got exactly what he was looking for from Joel Cunnell and just didn't quite get enough of it. Either way, Craig Kimbrell comes in to replace Rowan Wick, and he knew things weren't going to go super well when he walked Kirk Caselli to start this game. Uh, Freddie Galifas comes in a pinch run for Caselli, uh, and then Mark Payton strikes out swinging. So it was great. Nick Castellanos comes up to the plate, and on a 2-1 count, Kimbrell bounces the ball past Contreras, just completely missed him, threw it in the left-handed batter's box, flies up into the back backstop, Galvis moves up to second, and then Castellanos is walked. So with the runners on first and second, Arcides Aquino singles into center field. Galvis scores on the play, Castellanos moves up to second. It's now tied 5-5. A wild pitch comes immediately at following that. Eugenio Suarez up to the bat. So Castillo moves up to third. Aquino up to second. They intentionally walk Suarez to get to Mike Moustakas, who strikes out. And then the next pitch, quite literally the next pitch, Crick Kimball throws what looks like a great breaking ball after coming back against Moustakas on three pitches, striking him out just right through the legs of Wilson Contreras. It looks like he just missed it with his glove. Still considered a wild pitch. Castiano scores on the play. The Reds walk it off on a wild pitch from Craig Kimbrell. Very unfortunate way to lose that Saturday game. So Sunday rolls around and the Cubs decide to not play around. They win this one 10 to one, including all runs coming off of the long ball, specifically coming from the bats of Ian Happ, Jason Hayward, and Kyle Schwarber. It was... Luis Castillo on the mound versus Tyler Chatwood. Castillo lasted five innings, but gave up four hits, or excuse me, five hits, four earned runs, one walk, seven strikeouts, three home runs. He's yet to win a game this year. He's 0-5. Crazy, with an ERA of 4.10. And he'd been pitching very bad on the road, much better at Great American Ballpark. Either way, Cubs didn't matter. They had some hot bats and were obviously frustrated as an offense. On the other side, it was Tyler Chatwood who started this game. He went two innings and a third had to leave shortly after throwing a pitch. Um, his elbow was bothering him. After 33 pitches, they pulled him. Concerning, Colin Ray comes in to pick up the final two-thirds of that inning, and then Jose Quintana pitches another three innings, allowing just two hits, one earned run, one walk, and six strikeouts. That's a great job. 60, 61 pitches on the day. Tapira, Ryan, and Underwood round out this uh, performance for the Cubs, but this game was pretty much over. Um uh, when the scoring started in the fourth inning. So Kyle Schwarber on a 2-0 count. Castillo gets behind him and pays for it. He crushes the ball into right field. Cubs up 1-0. Will Skitreras grounds out, but Jason Hayward following up afterwards with a line drive home run into right center field. Cubs up 2-0, top of the fourth. They get another run after Ian Happ on an 0-2 cow and hit a home run into center field. Nico Horner scored on the play. Happ puts the Cubs up 4-0 against the Reds. Jason Hayward in the top of the six hits another solo shot into right field. This time off of Robert Stevenson. The Cubs now up 5-0. That's Hayward's second home run of the day. Joey Votto in a 3-2 count gets a hold of a pitch from Jose Quintana, sends it deep into center field. It's tried to get pulled back by Ian Happ, but not quite there. Jose Quintana gives up the solo shot. The Reds now down just 5-4. 5-1, excuse me. Top of the seventh, Ian Happ hits his second home run of the year, so or second home run of the day, a solo shot into one-two count into right field. Comes up back up five runs at six to one. Stays that way until Kyle Schwarber in the top of the ninth, after a walk from David Bodie, 
an intentional walk to Rizzo, and then Javier Baez walking, oh, by, all done by Jose De Leon. Schwarber on a 1-0 count, clobbers it. You knew he was looking for the pitch. He smashes it in the center and to right field. It's a grand slam. Cubs now up 10-1. to Dwayne Underwood is able to get the last three batters he sees, Jose Garcia, Mark Payton, and Shogo Akiyama to strike out with Akiyama looking at strike three. Dwayne Underwood looks looking strong there. The Cubs win 10-1, to ensure that they're still, uh, I guess, technically four games ahead of the Reds right now. Now, actually, it's five games after the win. They're able to keep their distance. St. Louis and Milwaukee. St. Louis three and a half. Milwaukee five, four and a half back. Maintain their lead over the Reds. Split this series. But obviously, you could have seen the Cubs easily could have won these other two games in this series too, and most likely should have won that Saturday night game as well. So that was frustrating. Um, some big takeaways, though. Obviously, historic weekend Sunday was the first time that an entire starting outfield has hit home runs two of them each and all the runs were scored by that outfield so that was an impressive showing and but it's very obvious the cubs either score in the long ball or they aren't scoring right now and it's frustrating because they are working counts we saw tyler malley even though he thrown close to 90 plus pitches after four and a half innings uh it didn't matter. The Cubs weren't taking advantage of him. He wasn't throwing them bad pitches. They were still just not picking out the correct pitches. Javier Baez still looking for slider, getting fastball, looking for fastball, getting slider. You can't anticipate these. You have to just react. So frustrating stuff there. In terms of the starting pitching, you Darvish still looks great without his A stuff. Kyle Hendricks continuing to struggle on the road. That's something we have to pay closer attention to. I think now at this point, it's very documented, well-documented. Hendricks just doesn't pitch as well when he's not at Wrigley Field, which wasn't something until last year, really. Um, Chatwood getting hurt is a concern. Obviously, it's an elbow injury, and with him being a former Tommy John surgery guy, that's never good, but it's great to see Jose Quintana pitching well. He'll probably be able to slide into his spot into the rotation starting now. And I know people are saying the Cubs might need to go and add more pitching. I think the guy they have is Edward Elsley. Get him on this roster. Use him in this bullpen. Make him a spot starter. There's no reason not to at this point. And he definitely adds more ceiling than Alec Mills. While I'm not necessarily giving up on a guy like Mills, I also think when you look at Elzelay or Mills, especially if Colin Ray is going to be in the bullpen, who essentially was in the exact same role that Adbert was last year, despite being a little older. I don't know. I uh, I don't really understand that. But I think Elzelay is probably the piece that comes in here. But regardless, the offense needs some contact bats. And luckily, they were able to get one in Jose Martinez. We'll talk about him and the other moves the Cubs have made before the deadline ends here in just a moment. Can the Guinness Book of World Records give 2020 the world's greatest delay of game? Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. But Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gives you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only hire what you need, and you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posting, which means more qualified candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash LockedOnMLB. 
This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash MLB. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. If you're like me, you probably start thinking about what to eat for dinner when you're eating lunch. I love food, and that's why I love using Postmates. But I kind of love them even more right now because I get food delivered without leaving the house or even opening my door. Given what's going on in the world, they've created non-contact delivers. So now when I order from local restaurants, everything gets left right outside my door. They also have Postmates Pickup, which I've been using to order takeout from my favorite local restaurants. Listen up, you guys need to support your local neighborhood spots right now. I've been ordering local because it's a great way to support my community. And Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushis. They actually take care of my life and make it a lot easier by picking up everything I need from like Walgreens, 7-Eleven, dropping out right side of my door. I actually forgot my mask back home in the suburbs. They were able to deliver masks right outside my door so then I could leave to go do whatever I needed to do, which is awesome. Just download Postmates on the iOS or Android app, find your favorites, and get anything you want delivered within an hour. For a limited time, Postmates has given our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. Start your free deliveries, download the app, and use code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for $100 free delivery credits for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. All right, so here in the second segment, we're going to go over the trade deadline so far. It is about 2.30 right now, so the deadline hasn't quite happened yet. It doesn't look like any major impending deals are coming, but over the last couple of years, we've seen a lot of deals come in at the deadline. And the deadline itself has actually been a lot more active than I think we were expecting. We've seen the Mariners and uh, uh, Padres pull off a deal, including seven players. The Padres have also come to a deal with the Indians for Mike Clevenger. Uh, so there's a lot of pieces moving around here, but regardless for the Cubs themselves, uh, they've traded for Jose Martinez an outfielder. They were pretty familiar with who was obviously spent quite a few years with, uh, I think it was three, the last three seasons with, uh, St. Louis before coming to Tampa Bay this year. Uh, he's a first base DH outfield type of option. A great contact bat from the right-hand side. He's 32 years old. Um, and he is not free agent eligible until 2022. So the Cubs do have some flexibility and a solid bat to come off the bench here. They do agree to this deal. It sounds like it'll either be two players to be named later, later or one player plus cash considerations, whatever happens from there. Um, and the Cubs did have to designate Josh Fagley catcher um, for assignment to make room for Martinez on the four, on the 60-man roster. Uh, per Jordan Bassey, MLB.com, on the season, the Cubs have a collective 659 OPS and 84 weighted runs creation plus against left-handed pitching entering Sunday. Martinez had performed to this date with a career slash line of 319, 392, and 554 with a 718 OPS and 153 weighted runs creation plus off of lefties. That's huge. Um, from Ian Happ, he talked talking about Martinez. He gave us nightmare. He gave us nightmares for years. Uh, he's one of those guys that's in the lineup. Every time he came up, you just felt like he was going to put a ball in play. It was going to get a hit. It was going to do damage at a big spot. So definitely excited about the acquisition. We're going to bolster up against left-handed hitters for sure too. So yeah, big piece. Obviously, the Cubs have been needing a right-handed bat that could smash left-handed hitting. They thought they had that in Steven Souza, and to some extent, you know, obviously a guy like Chris Bryant. Both of them hurt, and Souza still not performing to what. I think the Cubs were expecting from him. Take a flyer on a guy. It sounds like he he and Brian are both working in South Bend. We're expected to get live at bats today. So we'll see if we get an update from them soon. But it sounds like they're making progress. Regardless, though, Martinez is is a bona fide pinch hitter off the bench. Big guy. He's 6'6", 215 pounds. Doesn't hit with a lot of power, though. Um, but yeah, against left-handed pitching, 
he's he's a nightmare. Uh, just absolutely crushes it. Like a 319 batting average, obviously. He's got 16 home runs in total. For 2020 this year, he's only had about 35 plate appearances against left-handed pitching. He's batting just 229. Uh, but obviously the numbers are there. He's a very talented hitter, a guy that's always creating content. He's exactly what the Cubs don't have in their lineup, and that's what I like about this move. Uh, on the season for the Reds in just 24 games, he was batting 239 with a 329 OPS and a 388 slugging. It's nothing fantastic. That's good for a 98 weighted runs creation plus. Um, 11.8 walk percentage, though, 26.3K. Uh, K percentage that's obviously very high. His career norms are closer to 22, 21. Um, last year for the Cardinals in 128 games, he batted 269 with a 340 on base, a 410 slugging, and a 101 rated ones creation plus. Uh, that's great numbers, especially for a guy coming off the bench, a guy that might get some starts. At, you could see him at DH. Obviously, Carantini hasn't hit left handed pitching very well last year against left handers. Uh, Martinez hit 329 with five home runs and 15 RBI. He only struck out 15 times. Uh, and that's 70 plate appearances. Or excuse me, 78 plate appearances. Uh, dude hits left-handed hitting. <laughs> and that's exactly what the Cubs need. On top of him being a contact bat, controllable years here, not very expensive. ABV around 1.63 million. Uh, it's big. It's a big piece. So I like this. And obviously for a guy for two years, you you like the move. The other move they've made so far, A.J. Ramos. He signed on a minor league deal. Ramos, a guy that, according to Ross, kind of has a curveball that works like a left-handed, left-hander's curveball, has a good changeup. The issue with Ramos is he hasn't really pitched since 2018, and he hasn't really been a good dominant reliever since 2016. He had some great seasons with the Marlins, including an all-star appearance, I believe, in 2016 where he registered 40 saves. He registered 32 in 2005. But after getting traded to the Mets, he was subpar in uh, his split season between the Marlins and the Mets. And then in 2018, he only managed 19 in two-thirds innings, a 6.41 ERA. Case though, he still strikes out guys, nearly 10, 10 of them per nine innings, but the walk rate has kind of subtly increased since 2015, going up from 3.3 per nine innings to all the way to 6.86 in 2018. Obviously, smaller sample size, but still, numbers weren't quite there. He hasn't been very healthy. It's the first time he's healthy. The Cubs are taking a chance on him. I'm okay with that right now. According to Ross, he says, I know AJ, he's working his way back. I talked to some of the Dodgers guys. He did have a workout with the Dodgers earlier this year. They liked what they saw. The changeup is is as good as it gets. It's kind of like a left-handed curveball. It's it's got good, true depth. He's a guy that's been in the back of the pen. The moment's not going to be too big for him. Hopefully, he gets to South Bend and has a good showing. We'll see what happens from there. Yeah, I mean, a guy you want to take a chance on. Obviously, Ramos has the track record of being a successful reliever and, you know, has some pretty interesting stuff that should, if if he is able to figure it out and, and show he's healthy and, and throw to what he at least has been able to in terms of performance, he is a good candidate for you know the three inning the three batter minimum role. He does face right handers and left handers relatively well. Uh, left to kind of see ground ball rate nearly around forty. He's about thir- about forty percent for his career thirty nine point one. You could still see it. The FIP three forty one for the year or for his career. The peripherals suggest him even if he doesn't quite have his strikeout stuff that he could still be a usable reliever. So, and his ability to throw that change up like Ross is talking about does give him the chance to go up against lefties and righties. And that's probably the biggest aspect to that right now. 
But of course, Deadline isn't official yet. We'll talk about that in more tomorrow. But that'll do it here for today's episode of Lockdown Cubs. Remember to get this show every day. You need to subscribe to Lockdown Cubs and whatever podcast app you use, whether that's Google, Apple, Spotify, TuneIn app, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure you subscribe. Leave a five-star review. And then make sure you follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Cubs. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean R. Sears. Thanks for tuning in to your guys' daily Cubs podcast. Enjoy the rest of your day. And as always, go Cubs.